What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copan. It's August 20, 2021, and this is Lift and Learn, episode 49. In this episode, I'll be talking about finding the right dose of training for yourself and how caffeine can help boost your life and especially your workouts. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter, at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. Alright, so for the past few episodes, I started off with Olympic stuff, and that's over, so what now? Basketball is in Summer League. Baseball isn't really worth talking about right now. I don't pay enough attention to it. Besides the fact that the Blue Jays are not in the playoff picture right now, and that Shohei Otani is just pitching like a stud, and he has 40 home runs this year. The hockey trade stuff is pretty dead at this point. No major moves this week from what I remember. So I guess I'll just talk about how my week went for a little bit, and maybe that'll trigger something else to talk about. Alright, so let's see. My training went well this week. Bench press went well this week. I hit 245 for an easy 6 reps this week, which is an improvement. Because last week I actually struggled doing 245 pounds for 5 reps. And I actually remember on that bench session this week, I did take 200 milligrams of caffeine from the pills that I have just lying around at home. And I think that could have been a slight factor as to why that session went a lot smoother and easier than I expected. And that's kind of why that's going to be topic 2 for today actually, so I'll dive into that one a little bit later on. My squat is also actually the exact same as my bench right now. I just finished up a leg workout at Powerhouse Gym in Mississauga. And yeah, I squatted 245 pounds for 6 reps today. Also, the heaviest I've ever touched since the gyms opened up in Canada. So that's good news. And I ended up going to that gym actually a few times this week, even though it's like 30 minutes or so from my house. So this gym in Mississauga, formerly World Gym in Mississauga, like I said, why do I keep saying Mississauga? But anyways, I've had this membership actually for a few years, probably since about 2015 now. And I've been paying for this membership since then, but because it's so far, I haven't really gone to it as much as I should. I'd maybe go six times a year, and I've been paying $20 a month for it. Which isn't much at all, but I should probably go more than I have been the past few years. And now I have new incentive too. Especially after going there once this week, that actually ended up being three times this week that I ended up going there. I've been going to Crunch Fitness and Planet Fitness for the past five weeks or however long the gyms have been open. So I walked in there this past week and the staff actually asked me if I wanted a new key tag which was actually perfect because mine's been falling apart for the past like a year or so. It took a second and the World Gym has actually rebranded to a powerhouse gym. 
I was like, what? No way. I always refer to this gym uh, as the Mississauga Mecca. Me and my boys do. And the fact that it's now a powerhouse gym just basically cements that fact. The atmosphere in there has always been one of the best when it comes to gyms. Just the sound of the metal plates clanging together and the music actually isn't bad in case you forget your headphones. So when I went to New York a few years ago, I actually made it a mission to go to the Bev Francis Powerhouse Gym in Syosset, New York. And that one is famously called the East Coast Mecca when it comes to bodybuilding gyms. And I went there a few times when I was in the area, picked up some merch... If anyone listening to this knows me in real life, they've probably seen this burgundy sweater that I've been wearing for like the past, I don't know, maybe more than three years now. Well, yeah, when I went there, I got two sweaters. I think I might have even got a string or two. But man, that gym was just a bodybuilder's dream. I actually ended up seeing a few pros there, but I only remember seeing Arash Rabar there, who was an IFBB pro. And the dude was just massive and just cut up. Like, dude literally looked like a human anatomy chart. So that was a great experience over in New York. And now there's a powerhouse gym in Mississauga. And it's around a 35-minute drive for me, which isn't bad. So if I ever do venture into that area, 100% chance I'm going there. Like I said, I ended up going there three or maybe even four times this week. I'll always love that place. It just motivates you even more to see others working hard in there. Not like Crunch Fitness. I mean, the one I've been to, it's just been overrun by a bunch of high school kids. So anyways, more about this gym actually. Clearly the highlight of my week. That was, the, that was my first time going there since the reopening of the gyms. I probably hadn't been there in over a year, maybe, but they recently changed the layout a little bit inside. There's more room for machines and free weights now. There's actually a more dedicated stretching area, which isn't as big as before. And there's even a tiny strip of turf if you need to do other athletic types of movements. Honestly, 1000%, that's the best gym in Mississauga now, especially for $20 a month. And you can bring a guest for free every time. I just hope that with the new branding of the gym, they don't go changing the monthly prices and stuff. I even think they charged me during the pandemic, but I didn't even care because that gym is the best anyway, so shut up and take my money. The second time I went this week, I actually did get to see the front logo of the building officially changed to Powerhouse, so that was pretty cool. If you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen that on my story a few times actually earlier this week. And also it officially changed to Powerhouse Gym on Instagram and even on Google Maps, which I saw was updated earlier today. I don't just lift weights, guys. I also like to play sports. So this week I managed to get in a few rounds of golf. But the question is, does that even count as a sport, though? I went with a buddy last Friday and we decided to go to a course that was pretty close to home. But this guy said that he wanted to walk the course. It made sense when we got there because he actually had one of those golf carts where you can just wheel it around or he had like a golf bag that you can like attach to like some wheels. Well, I didn't have that luxury, so I actually had to wear my golf bag like a backpack for nine holes, but it actually wasn't that bad. 
Again, I didn't lose as many golf balls as I thought I would. I'm slowly getting better. But man, the more I go, the more I just get the itch to play. It's actually addicting. Even though I'm sure most people find golf to be boring, which is understandable. So after that, later on in the week, I actually ended up going by myself since I found a good deal to play at. This course is literally 10 minutes away. I ended up paying just $21 after tax for a 9-hole, so that's definitely worth it. I'm probably going to be spending a bunch of money there until the golf season finishes, which is probably somewhere between 4 to 8 weeks from now. I just want to be better, so I really need to figure out how to stop slicing my driver. Also, so um, I signed up to hit a morning tea time, I think this was Wednesday, so it was a few days ago. I was by myself when I signed up, but I ended up getting paired up with these two 70-year-olds. They told me they were retired at this point, so they just golf a few times in the week, in the mornings. And I played pretty well, even though I'm too cheap to use a golf cart, so I'm a walker now. But I still managed to keep up with those guys, thankfully, and I, got, I actually got one of their phone numbers, so maybe I'll be hitting the course with them sometime soon, since... I mean, for $20 for a 9-hole course, can't really beat that. So, something I haven't talked about lately is cars, and actually this week there was some big news, or there was some big news about cars that I'm actually interested in, so bear with me here. I think on Tuesday this past week, the embargo lifted on the first look, or the first reviewers on YouTube, They were finally allowed to show off their early reviews of the Toyota GR86, which is the Toyota equivalent of the Subaru BRZ. We haven't seen the BRZ much, but if you've seen the Toyota, they're basically the same, besides some minor tweaks and the front-end facelift. So the reviews were out, and a lot of the reviews say the same thing. It's an upgrade over the past models in pretty much every way. Although I still don't love the look of it, but it is still fun to drive since it's one of the only rear-wheel drive cars that come in manual for this price range. And I won't be getting it this first year, but we'll see what happens over the next few years. I feel like the longer I look at it, the nicer it looks. It helps that the review car that most YouTube channels had, the car was actually in red, which is the color I would 100% get. So after seeing like 10 videos of the car at this point, it's slowly starting to grow on me, but I'll pass at least the first year. But there is another car in the contention of winning my heart, honestly, and I never thought it would. But the 2023 Nissan Z was unveiled this week too, and while the BRZ or GR86 is I think 228 horsepower and... 180 something to the wheels for 30 grand the nissan z could actually be only 10k more or ten thousand dollars more so for forty thousand dollars you're actually going to get a car that's 400 horsepower i mean if it comes to canada it'll probably be closer to fifty thousand dollars again i don't like the look of this i think it looks worse than the gr86 or the brz but We'll see how the reviews for that turn out over the next year or so. Alright, so last thing, there was a trailer for NHL 22, and that came out this week. This is like my Madden or my 2K or FIFA, so it was a big deal to me. 
But the trailer didn't show much, just that it'll be running on a newer graphics engine or something called Frostbite. The trailer didn't show any gameplay really, and Austin Matthews will be on the cover again, even though there were rumors that it could be Artemi Panarin, but yeah, I guess it's Austin Matthews again. He was just on the cover of NHL 20, so that's interesting that he's back as the cover boy. The only thing it looks like they added were these superstar traits or something like that. Austin Matthews did his classic toe drag snipe, and then I think it was Vasilevsky had like some contortionist special ability where he like makes some amazing save out of nowhere. I don't know how that'll translate into the game, so we'll see how that works out. But like I said, this is the game I just get every year, no matter what. Even though I know how bad the game is, no matter how bad the gameplay is, it's still just the funnest game to play sometimes. They're not really trying to make the game any better since EA really doesn't even have any competition in this market. There's no other company that makes an NHL game, so there's no motivation for them to make the game any better. It's literally just a minor graphics bump every single year and barely any additions to the game, barely any fixes, glitch goals, but regardless, looking forward to playing that one starting on October 15th. I think that's the release date. I always complain about the game every year, but then I get it every year, so I'm kind of contradicting myself. I just hope that the game's better. And I think there's going to be some closed beta, maybe sometime next week, so maybe I'll get access to that, who knows. Topic 1. Finding the right dose of training. This one is tough to figure out and could actually take a while to figure out, and that's fine. It's just part of the process when it comes to exercising to get into shape or to be more healthy. So we'll start off with when it comes to training, or sorry, resistance training. There are actually studies now that say getting in between 9 to 20 sets per week per body part is ideal when it comes to being healthy and growing muscles in the most efficient way possible. This is supposed to be enough volume per body part uh, per week because it actually gives you a nice balance between actually working out and the recovery process. If you're a newer person into lifting or training, then it makes sense that being on the low end of this would be better for you, so closer to 9 sets per week per body part. And if you're more advanced, maybe you got a few years of training under your belt, then you might need to do more volume to make progress, maybe closer to 20 or maybe even 25 sets per week per body part. The thing is, this is very indu- sorry, individualized. Uh, so you need to test and see how a specific amount of volume works for you. That means trying to be on the lower end of the spectrum. So at first it would be good to start with some kind of program where you're getting in nine sets per week per body, per body part. And if you find that doing that for a week or two, or maybe even a month, maybe after a month, you realize that you can do a little bit more. And if that's the case, just increase the amount of volume you're doing per week slowly, adding another set here and there. It's actually pretty easy to be doing too much when it comes to working out, especially if you're someone who goes to the gym often. Here's the thing though, if you're just a regular person, maybe in your 40s or 50s at this point, 
and you haven't done much activity lately, just hitting the health guidelines in general would be a great start. So something like 45 minutes of rigorous activity or 150 minutes per week of something aerobic. Any type of activity where you're moving could make a huge difference. Anything you enjoy. If you like walking, then walk for a bit. If you like bo- uh, if you like balking, what? If you like biking, then bike for a little bit. At first, it doesn't really matter. It's about trying to build that momentum or getting yourself into a routine where you spend some of your day being active somehow. If you haven't been doing much, starting first with something that you enjoy is probably the easiest and best method when it comes to getting into the groove, when it comes to movement to be healthy. This is something that I had to realize as I grew as a personal trainer over the years. So now I'm in my 30s and I grew to love lifting weights, but not everybody is going to be like me or someone like me. At first, I was one of those trainers that was just super obsessed with getting my clients to work out with weights and dumbbells right away because that's ultimately the best way to gain muscle and lose fat. It's fundamental when it comes to being more healthy. At the same time though, some people can't just jump into lifting weights because honestly, more often than not, I'll have older clients who just find it boring or it might even be too difficult for them, especially when starting out. That's why, like I said, at first, start by doing something you enjoy when it comes to movement, start that slowly, and that's going to be your right dose of training right there. So even though the studies do say that 9 to 20 or 25 sets per week per body part is the right dose of training when it comes to resistance training, the thing is, again, this is an individual thing to determine. So if you're really a beginner when it comes to fitness, then just start out by doing something you enjoy a few times a week. And that could mean any kind of movement for something like 150 minutes a week, which is just over 20 minutes a day, which isn't much at all. That walk or biking consistently could be the start, and maybe one day you could venture off into doing other activities. Like I said, most of the time I'll have clients who don't want to start off with resistance training, but eventually, after being more comfortable with their body moving, it creates that kind of domino effect when it comes to fitness and being healthy. And I'll nudge them and ask them sometimes if they want to start with strengthening movements, And then slowly we can move on to hitting that full body for a few sets per week. Then we'll add volume till we're in that desired range of 9 to 20 rep uh, sets per week. Or whenever I feel like that person can handle more, I'll just throw in a few more sets. So if you decide to do this fitness journey on your own, then make sure when you're adding volume to your workouts... Make sure that you're ready for it. So when it comes to finding the right dose of exercise, it does vary based on your own personal ability. If you're just starting out, then the goal is to really just do a bit more than you're currently doing and do that consistently for a while. If you're into resistance training, then 9 to 20 sets, depending on your experience, could get you the best results. Topic 2 using caffeine to work out. Alright, so I mentioned this in the earlier portion of the podcast, how I used caffeine on one day of the week. 
And my training section session, sorry, actually went a lot better than I thought it would. And that could be because I had good sleep from the night before. Maybe that meant my pre-workout meal was good and it fueled me through the whole workout. But it could have also been due to the caffeine I took before the workout. And that's because caffeine has been shown to improve performance when it comes to all different kinds of training. So it could help you with your workouts, actually. Now, of course, there are detrimental or negative effects that come with caffeine. And these get overlooked by pretty much everyone since... Everyone just needs their fix of coffee or Starbucks whenever possible, especially in the morning. I'm pretty sure it's the drug that's most used on Earth. It's definitely up there with one of the most accepted drugs as a public that most people consume daily, along with alcohol. In terms of possible negative effects, caffeine has been shown to affect that night's sleep. Even just having caffeine in the afternoon, like maybe even as early as 2 p.m. in the afternoon, could negatively affect uh, some people's sleep, even though that could be like 8 to 9 hours before bedtime. Again, it depends on the individual there. Remember that caffeine is a drug, so you can kind of get addicted to it. It's extremely rare to die from it, but you do develop a sort of dependence for it especially if you regularly drink coffee. But the side effects aren't awful, but if it's affecting your sleep, then you're actually negatively affecting your health. The reason why most people take caffeine is actually to wake up, but that does mean that it makes it harder to sleep at night, or it could make your sleep more restless or lower quality, and you might not be spending the majority of your night's sleep in that REM cycle or in that deep sleep phase. There are also withdrawal symptoms or signs that you're consuming too much when it comes to taking caffeine as well. You might notice heightened anxiety or nervousness or bigger crashes in the afternoon possibly. I already mentioned that you may also notice that you're already tired when waking up and that could mean that your sleep quality is beginning to get worse. But getting back to the positive effects of caffeine, Like I said, it has been shown to make you more alert throughout the day. There's memory benefits there, and like I said, it gives you more energy. It has been shown in studies that it does give you more energy or makes you stronger for your workouts. You might be able to squeeze out an extra rep or two in the yeah while you're doing your exercises. You might be able to get another rep. It's also the best ingredient that's in pre-workout powders. Most of the pre-workouts out there, uh, they have their own proprietary blend where they have like 30 different ingredients to make your workout better or easier or just makes you want to basically lift more in the gym or maybe it makes you more vascular. But the most important and one of the only ingredients that has consistently been shown to help you in your workouts, one would be creatine, which has so many health benefits and I've been over that before but also the caffeine in the pre-workout powder will try to give you that energy or that extra boost as well, and that's been backed by studies as well, like creatine has. I also think that caffeine was actually banned from the Olympics because of uh, WADA, the doping agency. I think that was from like the 1980s to the early 2000s, if I remember correctly, and that actually was because of that performance-enhancing ability of caffeine. 
And since it's one of the proven ingredients that works when it comes to enhancing your performance slightly, that's why I personally like the pill uh, or the pill form. Some pre-workout powders do give me an upset stomach or they give you that sluggish feeling actually. That has happened to me, but I won't mention what brand that was. So that's why I like it in the pill form. Like I said though, I rarely take it. I have it every now and then, maybe once every two weeks, if that. Caffeine has also been shown to even speed up weight loss. Now this isn't a crazy high amount, but it is more than nothing. And studies have also shown that it could slightly suppress your appetite as well. Again, you can have too much caffeine so that you might actually end up feeling sluggish. And this might happen depending on who you are. That's why you have to find a dose that's right for you. Again, caffeine can help you if you use it wisely. But it can also be a negative addition to your life if you use it too much at, if you use, sorry, if you use too much at once or if you just use it too often, that's when you'll start to feel like you don't gain any of the benefits from using caffeine. You might notice that you need more caffeine in order for you to feel awake in the morning. You might need to go from a small or a medium cup every morning, so maybe 40 milligrams of caffeine to a large, which, I don't know, could be like 100 milligrams of caffeine. That's when it becomes a bit dangerous. So, to sum it up, I do think that caffeine can be used to enhance your performance with training. It does a little bit, but just be careful when it comes to being dependent on it. You don't want to have to pop a caffeine pill or have a scoop or two or of a pre-workout every single time you work out. At that point, you might be doing more harm than good. And that concludes episode 49 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.